0: Wow, the fourth Sunday of Epiphany, and here we are. And where are we today? Well, we're in Nazareth with Christ, again, in the temple, in the synagogue with the hometown boy, Jesus. So as you can tell, we're still in Luke. And based on last week's gospel reading, this week's gospel reading has a pretty similar view. We're in the same place, with the same people, and we have some of the same words. As a matter of fact, we have only progressed in our common lectionary a handful of verses, and one of them is repeated. What's up with that? Well, in my house growing up, If my mother had to repeat something, it was usually a pretty strong indicator that I wasn't listening. I know that's a big shocker. I can only guess and trust in the wisdom of our lectionary writers that they felt something was of value enough in these passages to merit us repeating them again this week. That maybe we might have heard these words last week, but let's make sure that we understand them this week. I am also guessing that maybe Jesus felt his words that he quoted from the prophet Isaiah may not have been heard either, and at least certainly not understood. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Maybe Jesus thought, I wonder if my hometown friends here really heard and understood the words proclaimed in the prophet Isaiah. Because they appear to be happy. The crowd, they appear to be amazed. And some have said nice things, but did they really understand what I meant? Do we really understand what Jesus meant? The people of Israel, the people of the Jewish faith, God's chosen people, have been waiting for this epiphany, have been waiting for this manifestation of God in Jesus. Christ has proclaimed himself the anointed one. He has fulfilled the prophecy foretold in scripture by the prophets Elijah, Elisha, and Isaiah. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is Jesus in his adult ministry announcing his purpose, his mission statement, who he is, and what his ministry consists of and what the ministry of the church will become and be and do and do 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 is the one little word at the end of this proclamation that really changes the entire tone An outcome of this engagement with Jesus and his friendly hometown crowd of onlookers and teachers. This same friendly hometown crowd that is soon to be chasing the very fast running tail of Jesus, presumably with sticks and rocks right out of town towards the nearest cliff to hopefully plummet to his death. And let me tell you, I am no Jesus, and I am no prophet by any means. But I have literally been run out of town by cops, criminals, and parishioners. It's no fun. Everyone knows that a really good prophet always gets run out of town. And the really good ones? They almost always die. This engagement quickly turns from joyous and hopeful to one of fear and anger and violence. Yeah, that's a pretty big tone shift in the passage there, huh? Well, there is much debate about whether the people that day heard the words of Jesus. But I think... I think they heard the word do, and they didn't like it very much. I think the crowd said, Hey, uh, Mr. Jesus? Sir? Uh when you were talking about all that lofty and noble bring good news to the poor stuff all that proclaimed release of the captives bring sight to the blind free the oppressed the Lord's favor the day of jubilee that's all just for us, right? And you're going to go do that stuff. Right? Like, we don't have to do that stuff. Right? No. (laughs) Jesus, through his actions, says, I am not going to perform miracles for you. You turn your own water into wine, you tend to the sick. You give hope to the blind. You liberate the oppressed. You release your workers and slaves from the bonds of debt. That's when people get really mad. So we go and affect the bottom line. When you start messing with people's wallets and purses, that's when they get mad. That's when they try to run you off a cliff. You see, in order for the hungry to be fed, the rich must go away empty. Jesus has just shifted and upended the entire balance of power. Jesus proclaims that this gospel of good news is for all. Jesus proclaims that this gospel of the good news belongs to the poor and the oppressed and for those whom are at the margins of society. Not the rich. Not the haves. But the have-nots. Jesus says that this good news is not just for you, but for all. Not just for your neighbor that looks like you and acts like you. It's for your neighbor who is different than you and doesn't look like you. This good news is for both Jew and Gentile alike. See, I think the people of Nazareth that day thought that the fulfillment of prophecy It's going to look something like a big throne and a big crown and our own big temple. Maybe some big parades, some wealth, prosperity, the vanquishing and smiting of our enemies. Nope. What the crowd heard that day, what we should be hearing this day, was that they were being given a job. We have been given a job. When Jesus, through his words, began outlining his mission and ministry for the world, at the same time, the church was being given its own mission, ministry, and purpose to fulfill for ourselves the good news of Christ for the benefit of all. We as the church and as individuals can choose to use this passage today as an opportunity to sometimes painfully remember the difficult and rewarding work of living into the gospel of the good news of Christ. As a postulant to holy orders, We deacons in training live and breathe our call to serve through the words of our baptismal covenant. We all have been called to live into our baptismal covenant. All the things that Jesus wants us to do in our gospel today, well, they're found in the bonds and commitments of our baptismal covenant. They are difficult, which is why we renew them every year. But we all are asked by the church to persevere in the resisting of evil in our lives. And it takes a lot of courage and strength to stare into the face of the sin of our lives. When we fall into sin, it also takes a lot of humility to let go of our own ego and our own stubbornness and repent and return to the Lord. But with God's help, we can. We are also asked to proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ. Well, it can take courage sometimes to proclaim our faith. And it's not always easy, especially in the face of hostility and ridicule. We live in a very scary and polarized world right now. Many people are afraid and uncertain, seeking hope in any way that they can find, that is when we need to remind ourselves of the comfort and hope that we can impart and offer to others through our words and our actions. And with God's help, we can. We will seek and serve Christ in all persons. Will we? We love our neighbors as ourselves? Well, anyone can say I love Jesus. But can we really love Jesus when we don't show any compassion to those in need all around us? When we ignore with disdain the homeless, the mentally ill, the drug addicted, the persecuted, and the marginalized. Loving your neighbor is, for myself, the most rewarding and deeply challenging commandment of them all. And if we can't love our annoying and obnoxious neighbor, who you just can't stand, if you can't help them start their car, or find their cat or their dog, take their trash out when they forget to put their bins out? Then how can we do the really hard work of striving for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human life? How do we respect the dignity of every human life when we believe no love or respect can be found in whom we are commanded to love? Well, we find the answer, quite simply, in Paul's words to us in our epistle of 1 Corinthians today. Love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. And this is the kicker for me. When faced with not being able to love my neighbor, when I don't have the strength, or the compassion, or the empathy, when I just can't handle it on my own, well, guess what? I don't have to. We don't have to. Paul gives us the answer that we don't have to bear all of that on our own. Paul continues, "With love, love bears all things, believes all things hopes all things and endures all things and with love and God's help we can too live out the call that Jesus has set before us to be that good news for all Amen.